0: It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Definitely not disbelief. Um, We believe in ourselves. We believe in our team. Um, We have one game um, in our home rink uh, to move on. Um, It's that simple.
1: After the Golden Knights 3 0 loss in game six against the Minnesota Wild on the road yesterday, everything getting set up for a game seven on Friday. As we welcome you into nighttime at noon, I'm Stormy Bon and Tony with my main man, Mike McKenna. Ooh, all that alliteration. How's it going,
0: buddy? What's happening? Good work on that. Man, you've paid so much attention in English class. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I wish that it was under better circumstances that we got to work together here today. Um, Whoa, well, let
0: me stop you. What? It's three to three in the series. Tomorrow's game seven. You're not wrong. The Golden Knights have every chance to move on to the second round. It's a great scenario for us to be working together. A lot of
1: excitement, for sure, especially since the game is going to be at home. The Golden Knights have their first opportunity ever to close out a series on home ice at T-Mobile Arena. So, okay, I like this vibe. I like the positivity we have going today.
0: Well, and that's what you're feeling from the players, okay? I, I've been in these situations where you get home and you just look at the situation and you go, man, it's one game. We've been this good all season long. We know how to win. We're gonna be in front of our fan. Imagine what Vegas is gonna be like with a win tomorrow, <laughs> right? Like fr- I mean, smart teams win in Friday night. Win on Friday night in Vegas. Yep. I mean, I just I, I feel like for the team, there's so much to be excited about, and so much that they can rely on that they've done all season long to come out and play strong and get that win. Um, of course, they're gonna look at the last game, the games before that, and try to figure out what they can do better, but. This is exciting, you know, and I know it's nerve-wracking for all the fans out there who are probably pulling their teeth out (laughs) and creating superstitions left and right, but this is the best time of the year, and we're going to see it tomorrow night on the ice. Yeah,
1: we talked about it before we hopped on air that you got to stay off Twitter sometimes in this (laughs) case, right? Because you have the the people like you who are all positive all the time, and then the people are like, oh, no, we had a 3-1 series lead. It's happening again. What do we do?
0: The roller coaster of emotions we just won <laughs> party we're gonna and then oh we lost it's a world's ending and it's it's not i mean you you take solace in what you do on the ice you know your abilities and the players are so good at, at this stage of the game of managing things they've all been through pressure situations and it's hard to find anybody in that lineup who hasn't played either a championship game or a World Juniors game or, I mean, even just something big in, in their career where they've had to face adversity and go through it. They they've know how to handle these things. But... Um, again, walking into T-Mobile tomorrow, it's going to be exciting to have all the fans there for sure.
1: Yeah, and that is what a lot of the players talk about. We hear Pete DeBoer talk about it all the time, too. This is such a veteran team. They have that playoff postseason experience. They know what they're doing. And fortunately, they are much more even-keeled than the fan base and than you and I <laughs> occasionally. Um, it is an off day today for the Golden Knights. Pete DeBoer spoke in his media availability earlier today, so we'll share a little bit of that conversation with you guys later. We'll also get into some of the other series that are going on around the league in the The Stanley Cup playoffs, the Islanders and Lightning have advanced to round two. Some more potential clinching games on deck today. And we'll take your fan questions. So if you have any questions for us, use that hashtag nighttime at noon or tweet at us. I'm at Storm Bonantoni. No Y and Stormy just because there's too many letters in my name apparently. What's your handle, Mike?
0: You couldn't fit your own name within the two I could not fit my own name. Wow. (laughs) Uh, I I am at Mike McKenna 56. I never knew that about you. I actually was always wondering. Were you? Where did the Y go? And now it all makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) You're one of a kind. One of a kind. Thank you.
1: Um, But yeah, we'll we'll get into all that. So please send us in some questions. Uh, We know that there's a lot on your mind right now ahead of this game seven tomorrow. And uh, let's get into last night, though. Before we look forward, let's look back. What was the story of game six for you?
0: Whoever was going to score first was going to win the game. It was, it was ho-hum paint dry hockey for 40 minutes. I think I
1: heard you say boring in first intermission. I
0: might have. (laughs) And I tend not to use that descriptive of words if I can help it because to me, hockey is not a boring sport, but I was yawning in the first, it felt like both teams were kind of backing into the game, feeling each other out, afraid to take a penalty, afraid to play up to the limit, which is the complete opposite of what I expected. I thought it was going to be energy all over the place, hits flying, and it wasn't that. And You know, neither team generated a lot in the first period. The Golden Knights were a little sleepy. Towards the end of the period, Marc-Andre Fleury made some big saves to keep it 1-1 for the team. Uh, And then the second period was better for the Golden Knights. That was their strongest period. They had a span, a couple minutes into it, where Tuck drives the net. And then two or three waves in a row that they were able to get opportunities and some extended zone time, but they didn't get a puck to drop. And then a two-on-one in the second period where you've got Marcia so over to Smith and it just goes past the net. To me, that was like turning point of the game where mm-hmm. it didn't go. And then you get to the third period and there it goes, right? First goal against um, players caught pinching in. D-man's up high in the zone. Two-on-one the other way. It's in the net. And we know what happened later on, of course, with the goal <laughs> challenge as well. So, um, you know, it was one of those nights where it was a very evenly matched game, I felt like. And it just took one spark to ignite the team that was going to win. And in last night's case, it was Minnesota.
1: Yeah, it was Minnesota. And we've we've seen that happen in the opposite effect with the Golden Knights throughout this series where there's moments when you think in that game in Minnesota when Jonathan Marshall scores an important, critical goal to turn the tides in the Golden Knights' favor. It's almost like that's what that challenge did for Minnesota because Chandler Stevenson scores the goal. You think that it's a tie game at one, and all of a sudden the Golden Knights are on the comeback trail but ultimately Alex Tuck is in the crease and things didn't work out the way that you had planned.
0: Yeah, and I think that for, you know, especially the the goal that was called back, we can actually take this here to audio cut two if we want a um, little post-game comment from Mark Stone. We can go to that now here. Audio cut two, Mark Stone on the goaltender interference call. I mean, it's a tough play. Um, they had a similar one. disallowed uh, earlier in the series, but, um, you know, in my opinion, they're a little different, I think. Tucky was kind of getting held in the crease. Uh, couldn't really get out of there, but um, you know, they, now it's, it's gone both ways. Um, can't argue it anymore. Uh, is what it is. We just got to get that penalty killed. Uh, I think it's always worth the uh, challenge, hoping that maybe it gets reversed. Uh, we just got to get that kill. So I, th- let me say this right off the bat, that I totally agree with Mark Stone. I totally agree with challenging the call. Because when this happens on the ice, you can't really see every angle that they may have. What you see during the game, and you see the first replay, you see Tuck and Talbot together. You see Tuck, who's being held in the crease by Dumba. And you can't tell when the shot is taken. That's the hard part to this. Now, Alex Tuck enters the crease willfully. It's on his own. okay. And as he moves around the top of the crease, he's in the blue paint. And and Cam Talbot has all the right to that ice. It's just like Marc-Andre Fleury uh, previously in the series when Felino came through, and that goal was called back. The differentiating factor to this instance was when that shot was taken because just after it was taken, Tuck was outside the crease and not, not touching Talbot. If that had happened, I mean, a half second, a split second sooner, I think the goal counts. But that's the replay that we couldn't see one on TV and two right away in the building, and I think it's worth it to challenge it. You just These are such gray area 50-50 calls a lot of the time, but the league has been consistent call against uh, Minnesota there was a call in the Carolina national game again a couple nights ago that kind of went the same way so you know what to expect when you see these
1: yeah I my thought was exactly the same on just the 50-50 of it and that's I think what's frustrating for a lot of viewers when they see things because they could go either way it feels like every time you see it if you're looking at it from one fan base's perspective or the other you automatically just assume that it must be a certain way but why is that why is that such a subjective call well, to me,
0: it's not. I mean, and that's why I've been frustrated mm-hmm. in the past when I've seen things that have gone opposite to what I think, being an old goaltender, because we're always right, goalies. <laughs> um, but like, we have a very different concept of what it's like to be interfered with than what a lot of people think. OK, like the littlest contact in your crease throws you off completely in how you play goaltender. And if you're being impacted by a player, if they're in your crease, it doesn't, you know, if, if players are allowed to be in the crease and there's allowed to be contact, they're going to stand right in the middle of the blue and you'll be right. on your goal line. That's why the blue paint is there for a goalie. It's our safe space. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's frustrating when you see calls in the past where you just can't tell why, right? Is it Does it have to do with where the person is in the paint, outside the paint? Where does the contact initiate? Um, but these two instances in the series that we've seen goals disallowed, to me, have been very clear cut that the player was in the crease before the shot causing interference. Um, and that's, to me, it made the calls easy. But because there's been those calls in the past that have been 50-50, we don't know what to expect. It just muddies the water for people. It's, there's a rule in international hockey that if you go into the crease, they blow the whistle. I mean, you almost think, like, would that clear things up in the mm-hmm. NHL? Mm-hmm. Probably drive people bananas. Uh, but it, that is one option to keep it from happening. So I don't know what the answer is.
1: Yeah, and that goal was waved off immediately. It wasn't called a goal and then right. reversed. Um, the challenge was on – whether or not it was a goal ultimately or not. And it was funny to me when you watch the replay, you see Tuck look down at his feet immediately. Um, (laughs) So, but then with that, the Golden Knights challenge and ultimately it's lost, which leads to a Minnesota power play the other Mm -hmm. way. And the VGK ultimately allow a power play goal for the first time since May 3rd. It's been a really long time. Their PK has been so good, but then, you see again just how that moment, that call, turns the tide. But like you said, you have to make the call.
0: Yeah, and I mean they've killed—they've killed what twenty mm-hmm. penalties. You have so to much that confidence. in No, you the do. Kill. You have so much confidence in the penalty kill, and the penalty kill's even been a strength for the Golden Knights in turning the tide and momentum. And think about the Mark Stone shorthanded goal a couple of games ago, and, and how that fired everybody up and changed the momentum. And four-minute kills—like you can't be afraid to let your players go to work. Mm -hmm. you know you kill penalties during games and if it gives you an opportunity to potentially put a goal on the board that's going to tie the game at one to one in the third period of game six you've got to make that call and trust your players take it you do And, and you know what it bites you, but I don't think you can look back at that with any type of regret. And it was still a two nothing game at that point, you know.
1: One thing that did stand out to me in the post game press conference was when Mark Stone said that this is it was definitely a feeling out process for a lot of the game. Which to me, in my mind, I automatically go, you played each other eight times in the regular season. This is now your fourteenth game that you've played against each other. Should I? I get that that makes it that much tighter because you know that much more about each other. But that was just an interesting phrase to me that it was a feeling out process because you know so much about each other right now. Shouldn't you have it down? I <laughs>
0: felt like it was actually series fatigue setting in. Really, and this is a real thing when you play a team this many times, and it, it used to happen often. Like we know this year is really unique right you're playing teams eight times in the regular season you go into playoffs you can play them another seven times more up to 15 times against the same team in a season well in the minor leagues you used to do that it was very regional based and I'm telling you by the time you got to game nine or ten you'd seen enough of that other team and those some of those games turned into one hit one nothing no hitters let's get off the ice well that kind of had that feeling where it almost looked like they were just sick of each other for the first 10 or 15 minutes and I find that so odd because it's playoff hockey and mm-hmm. you know that there should be that extra intensity to it. But sometimes you can't overcome those in- inherent feelings that you have inside that you're just going against the same people and because you know each other so well inside and out systematically, you know, you're not afraid you're you're afraid to run up to the limit sometimes. Like, I think in Game 7, the team that just goes out and has fun and plays carefree is going to end up on top. I really do.
1: Yeah, well, I remember even Jonathan Marsh so earlier in the season uh, when they played those four games in a row against Arizona, saying after Game 2 that they were tired of them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you can see that. But uh, hopefully the desperation will be ramped up in what is ultimately a win-or-go-home game. Uh, before we head to break here, just wanted to thank all of the fans that have tuned in all year long to our broadcast because it came out today that the Golden Knights In the NHL, had the number two, like top ranked viewership in all of the league this season on our regional sports network, AT&T Sportsnet. So really, really cool. Thank you to all of our local fans and it really is VGK Worldwide how much you guys tune in and love this team. Which reminds me, by the way, that you can, if you want to, join other Golden Knights fans around the world with VGK Worldwide. It's the official global fan club of the Golden Knights. You can become a premium member by visiting VGKWorldwide.com and purchasing your kit today. Premium members receive access to exclusive merchandise exciting contests and specialized content so don't miss this opportunity we're painting the globe gold we love every second of it and we'll be back with more playoff talk in a moment i love gold
0: (laughs) we're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the vegas golden Knights, fox sports las vegas
1: Nighttime at noon here. And what a teaser that was for the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace has lots of friends. Okay. And reminder, Golden Knights fans, that VGK Authentics is the official home for all game used Vegas Golden Knights merchandise from game used pucks to game worn jerseys, so much more. Owning a piece of your favorite Golden Knights player has never been so easy. Check out all the greatest items on VGK Authentics by visiting VegasTeamStore.com. And we are loving this music right Just now, aren't we?
0: Yeah, keep it going. The smooth keep sounds. It flow- Is that a saxophone?
1: I don't know, but I like every second of it. Game seven tomorrow night for the Golden Knights at 6 p.m. will be the first time in franchise history. a Game seven will be hosted at T-Mobile Arena. The VGK looking to rebound from a 3 nothing loss in game six. Remember, if you have any questions for myself as well as TV analyst for the VGK, Mike McKenna, shoot them our way. Use the hashtag nighttime at noon or get in our replies. And, Mike, I think so much of the conversation around this team and around the fact that they had this 3 3 1 lead in the series, and now we're even at three apiece, is looking at playoff history. Yep. Uh, what's just your general thoughts on, in general, how the past actually affects a team in current day?
0: You use the key word history. It's history, it's the past. And I know it's so easy to rely on these things for for fans and, and for people in the game, too, that you, I mean, we do it. We, try, we we bring up these things right when we're on the broadcast like you, you can't help it because it is what a team has done previously. It's
1: supporting information. It is 100 percent. Have to tell the people what's going on.
0: But this is one game. It's one day. It's one opportunity. Right. OK, Two Eminem. Two seasons ago doesn't matter. Did, <laughs> did I just inadvertently? Have <laughs> you got one shot. One we're, opportunity. We're going for spaghetti to seize afterwards. everything you ever wanted. So now it's a confirmation. Stormy and I are going for spaghetti afterwards. Uh, <laughs> we'll try not to keep that on our sh- get that on our shirt. Uh, but I I I think that you learn from those things. But you also f- factor in how different teams are. Like the, the makeup of a team changes every season. You know, and you know even from two years ago, it's probably a third of the team's different. And every different year is a different journey you've got a different coach you've got i mean there's just all these different factors so i i don't play into history over the course of a franchise by any stretch curses and superstitions and things i think are just silly i think it's uh it, it, it's supporting facts, like you say. It's okay. something to look at, but I don't think it's a problem for the team.
1: Because I feel like a big question that I've seen is, do the Golden Knights have a closing out problem when it comes to these series? And you look back, just to give a little bit of context for listeners who are maybe just tuning in, Stormy Bonantoni and Mike McKenna here on Nighttime at Noon, that the Golden Knights in 2019, 0-3, obviously in that situation against San Jose, hashtag never forget, we don't talk about it anymore. Then in the 2020 bubble in Chicago, 1-2 and in that series. Got out of it in Vancouver, one and three in that Mm -hmm. series got out of it. And then obviously in two games where they could have clinched against Minnesota here, it hasn't happened yet. So um, it's an interesting question, I think. Um, But you also look at your head coach now, who is different and he did get you to the Western Conference yep. final last year. He is a coach that in his history, personally, is 5-0 and o in Game 7s. So you've got conflicting information here, which makes it that much more fun.
0: It means everything means nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is that? There's like some phrase. I, I used to work for the Carolina Panthers, and when Ron Rivera was their head coach, he used to say, figures lie and liars figure. Ooh, and that's always kind of stuck deep. with me when it comes to
0: analytics. And you can always find something to back up your argument with statistics. I found that where yep. – You know, you're trying to make a player look good or you're trying to prove a point, and you can always find something that's underlying. Um, I I don't think it's a matter of closing out. Like, you just, it's hard to win, period. Like, it's hard to win in the National Hockey League. And you think about the success the team's had. They've gone to a Stanley Cup final. They've gone to conference. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is a team that's had playoff success. They've had success in general. Uh, It's just really difficult to go that far and win. And it just, you know, close out games, they have been able to do it. But... The other team's trying too, you know, <laughs> and that's, you know, you you will over the course of a history of a team lose more games you're trying to close out than you will win. That's just the nature of it. Right. Like you, you don't win every closeout game. So I, I think for the Golden Knights, especially you look at tomorrow and we've talked about first 10 minutes, first period that really hasn't been there yet. Marsha so talked about it that, hey, we've been a little sleepy, not as good. He said awful.
1: When I talked to him pregame.
0: I was trying, you know, I was was Pollyanna a little bit there. Yeah, uh, well, it's
1: not our words, it's his. He said, if we're looking at those first periods, honestly, they've been awful with the exception of the first period game one, but they weren't able to get out of that period with a lead.
0: And what's interesting to me is that I think that they've actually had a couple of good stretches. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I believe game five, I think game five, I thought, yeah, like there's a really strong first 10 minutes, 15 minutes. They just didn't score. And that's more so what Jonathan Martius was talking about. They didn't get the lead after the first period. They didn't get that goal and get to play with the lead, which has been one of the biggest strengths for the Golden Knights all season is getting that first one and rolling afterwards.
1: So how much of this, um, when you get to a Game 7, are you reliant on – Just previous experience and having that veteran ability to handle these types of situations. Are you looking to a coach to have some rising words? I mean, I I know one of the things that when Pete DeBoer was hired on the the Golden Knights, Kelly McCrimmon talked about how he was a guy that could push the right buttons come playoff time. What are you looking for ahead of Game 7?
0: You're looking for the best suit that somebody could ever wear into the building to give everybody a smile.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we need Jonathan Marcheseau to wear his opening night outfit last year, where it they were shorts instead of pants the shorts there we
0: go i say that kind of in jest but i think about an assistant coach that we had a couple of years ago uh when i was playing in syracuse actually when dan duva the sicilian soundbite was our play-by-play guy uh trent cull had this magic suit that he'd wear every elimination game and the guy just couldn't lose in it (laughs) and it just sticks with me um but no i i think you're you're looking for Game sevens especially, like you're just looking for any spark that you can get. And coaches don't, as much as people think, do the Al Pacino, uh, which movie am I thinking of, where he does the big, we fight for every inch. (laughs) We crawl and we scratch for every inch. And I can't remember which movie that is. Something Sunday. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday, yeah. So you don't get a lot of those motivational speeches from coaches anymore, but you can get some pretty pointed comments. Right. And I find that those always drive the point home the most with players is just one liners that resonate. You know, tonight we can all be champions. Mm -hmm. Right. Tonight, you control your own destiny. Be proud of yourself. Like things like that, that coaches come up with. Yeah. um, We need our
1: Herb Brooks miracle. Speed. Yeah, Maybe it's yeah, a little he, premature for that, but his, his is a long one. But
0: <laughs> but it's not just the coaches, right. right? You look to your leaders. You look to Mark Stone. You look to Alec Martinez, who's been through this and won Stanley Cups, and and everybody looks to in the locker room. Alex Petrangelo, the same thing that they know, they they know they've been there, they've done it. Those words carry so much weight.
1: How about Alec Martinez last night? He this is a guy. I just wow. want to say. I mean, we know in the locker room, everybody calls him warrior and the (laughs) the way that he's a player that just puts his body on the line night in and night out for this team. But he he hasn't even practiced in however long, just because you know he's trying to make sure that he's yeah. game ready every day. And then he goes out and drops the glove for his second career fight to defend a hit on Alex Tuck last night. I really I know that Dumba was putting his arms up in the air trying to get their crowd energized after that. But for me, I hoped that that would be a moment last night that the Golden Knights could kind of get behind as a player like that stepping up in a moment like that.
0: I thought it was a rallying cry for the team for sure, and I didn't like that hit. Hit on Tuck by Dumba mm-hmm. at all. I thought he was targeting him, trying to hurt him. Okay. Not headhunting, but I think he was trying to hit him as hard as he possibly could. Puck didn't matter. And I think that Alex Tuck, one, did a really nice job of avoiding the major part of that impact to protect himself. And Alec Martinez's response was visceral. It was, again, this is somebody that's his second fight ever, mm-hmm. right? In he that, does not do that. <laughs> no. And in that moment to react like that, it wasn't calculated. It wasn't something that the bench had been talking about needing a spark. It was purely, you did that to my teammate, and I am coming after you. You're not doing that to us. I mean, you talk about a message. Like, I, I saw that, and I just went, wow. Like, I know people that know Martin, that know Alec Martinez dating back to his college days, and nothing surprises me with him, Yeah. okay, what he's done. But that was one of the gutsiest things I've ever seen. And then you just factor in the wear and tear on his body, and he puts himself through ultimate teammate. You see why everybody thinks so highly of him.
1: Yeah, I was fired up, and he's somebody that you hear, whether it's teammates or coaching staff, whoever it is, um, nothing but great words to say about Alec Martinez. We're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, I mean, just speaking of that hit on Alex Tuck, let's talk injuries a little bit and where the Golden Knights stand here heading into Game 7 and uh, potentially a look ahead if they are to advance into the rest of the postseason. Also, a look around the Stanley Cup playoffs. Who has the opportunity to advance tonight. Stay with us. Stormy Bon and Mike McKenna on Nighttime at Noon.
0: Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
1: Stormy Tony and Mike McKenna with you for Nighttime at Noon. It is right around... Noon 30. Noon now. 30. <laughs> Here, But hey, remember Golden Knights fans, Nooners. the best way to show your spirit, no matter where you are in Nevada, is with the Vegas Golden Knights license plate. I have one. You should too. A VGK plate is a great way to night up your vehicle. Show everybody on the road what team you root for. Go to dmvnv.com slash plates today to show your pride, and we need all of the pride in the world ahead of a critical Game 7 win or go home tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena between the VGK and Minnesota Wild. We've been talking about it all show, but I think it's time to spread a little bit of the love to the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Should sure. we, Mike?
0: Yeah, we might as well do so. So <laughs> let's take a look around the league at what's been happening. We've got eliminations. We've got teams moving on. The Boston Bruins take care of the Washington Capitals. A little bit surprising that that wasn't a closer series. I thought Washington was really going to push them. They
1: were my pick yeah. to come out of that division. So... I was a little bit bummed just from my own prediction standpoint, trying to be the wise woman that I am. But (laughs) But
0: I like your – I thought Wash was a team that was really destined to do pretty well and Mm -hmm. and grind and – you just look at Boston and I'm just like man every single year by the end of the season they managed to get it going. Tuka Rask is playing outstanding even though people in Boston think he's still the worst goalie on earth even though he has top three save percentage like It's ever. just <laughs>
1: because he went to the bench during a tie game that one time. That that's, so the, that's the reason. <laughs> but it was also a clean sweep yesterday for the home teams. Obviously we mentioned the Wild which we're not going to talk about anymore. Nope, but the that. Islanders and Lightning also advanced to the second round um, and then Toronto and Carolina. Today, looking to do the same. Any that stand out to you of those matchups?
0: Yeah, I th- I, that Toronto game I'm gonna be watching tonight for sure. I think that's that's a pretty fascinating one. They're up three-one in the series, and more so, I just want to watch how Toronto plays. Like I, I've, I've seen a decent amount of them this year, but I want to see what their playoff looks playoff team looks like. They've got so many veterans in that lineup now. They've done a good job of insulating the young talent. They bring in couple relics like simmons and Spezel teammates of mine that i love that mm-hmm. i think those were great moves. moves and um that's good but that carolina nashville series has been non-stop entertainment and nobody thought nashville was going to be there mid- no
1: the that's like, what's impressed me the most is that every time you think carolina's got the stranglehold down nashville comes back and, and makes something happen and the overtime games it's been an exciting series yeah
0: and I mean, UC Saros has played great. Nedeljkovic in goal for Carolina. Like, you've got new names yeah. filtering in from the goaltending aspect, which Stormy, you know. I mean, it tugs <laughs> at my heartstrings being an old goalie um, to see that happen. And, you know, just around the league, like, I, I'm not surprised that the Islanders took care of pe- the Penguins. The Penguins pushed a bit but just didn't seem to have it all season long. They'd had some turmoil there. And I think the Islanders are legit. That's a team that I that's – built really strong playoff run goaltending grit scoring you name it it's just can they score against Bruins and yeah, it seemed like the Lightning were going to get past the Panthers. That just seemed like a foregone conclusion ever since they got to the playoffs and there's no salary cap any longer. And <laughs> and they've they've got everybody under the sun playing. Yeah, game
1: um, one made you think it was going to be a little bit of a different series and yeah. it ultimately ended up being. I think Florida did make it competitive um, at pushed. times for yeah. sure. But speaking of goaltending, Andre Vasilevsky, like you've got to just kind of sit in awe sometimes with what he's been doing.
0: You watch Vasilevsky, you watch Fleury this year probably the two front runners for Vesna. And Vasilevsky did start to trail off a bit towards the end of the season. The team wasn't playing as well, missing some key pieces. But, I mean, he's kind of the archetype at this point for how you want a goaltender to play in today's game. Like, we got to a stage where goalies were very robotic in the last couple of years. They were predictable, and Vasilevsky's so athletic. And for people in Vegas, you have that reference point of Marc-Andre Fleury being explosive, athletic, and and not being just goalie school goalies, where you're in position, the puck hits you, and you cover the puck. Like, there's so much more to it. To me, the truly elite goalies in the league have that ability to bust out of the technical mold and make those highlight real saves. And that's what you see from Vasilevsky, from Flower, from and, – and Grubauer's been in that same mm-hmm. boat. Soros, to me, those are kind of your top guys throughout <laughs> this season.
1: Yeah, you forget that the Avs are just sitting there waiting in the they wings are. that they closed out their yep. series long ago.
0: That's good and bad, though.
1: Yeah, there is is that rest versus rust factor you have to worry about.
0: Yeah, I've played in series before where you finish up and then two days later you're playing the next team. And I was somebody who was huge on homework. I love digging in before a series against a team, looking at all their players, their systems, finding out everything we could. And guess what? I'm an analyst now. (laughs) Are you surprised, right? But I love that aspect. But in that same regard, when you win a series and you just go rolling right into the next one, you just worry about yourself and you just keep playing so it's good and bad i don't know if there's an advantage either way um, but they'll have energy it's just are they gonna be ready to go right they've been sitting for a while
1: True, true. Obviously, the Golden Knights hope to be their opponent. That will be determined tomorrow in a critical Game 7 between the Golden Knights and Wild. Stormy Bonantoni and Mike McKenna with you on Nighttime at Noon. Remember, if you have any questions, to use the hashtag Nighttime at Noon or get in our replies because in the segment coming up, we're going to answer all of those. I know you always want to talk goalies, so I'm saving that part of the conversation for a little bit later um before we get into um some injury updates for the golden knights how about the the hsk they are fighting for a pacific division championship right now you've been a part of the coverage for the henderson silver knights all year long they're taking on the bakersfield condors at t-mobile arena after dropping game one
0: they have to win game two obviously best of three Uh, series right for ahl right now three game series are over so fast it can go so quickly, um, and it's it's a strange scenario, right? They're playing for a division championship, but they're still meaningful games. And I think that anybody's in that in that type of role, especially for the Silver Knights, they realize people are watching, and anytime people are watching, mm-hmm. it creates opportunity. Uh, I look at like Daniel Regan for the Silver Knights; he was on an eight-game point streak. He, he's been scoring at two points a game clip for the last ten games. He's been absolutely phenomenal for them. Um, Ryan Murphy, the D-man, led the league in scoring. Logan Thompson's been—I mean—just an incredible rookie season for yep. them, and he's getting all the awards he too, is, and deservingly so, establishing himself as truly an NHL prospect. You know his ceiling. After last year playing in the ECHL, nobody knew what his ceiling was. You know, you think you see something in that person, and then they come in and blow the doors off, and you go, "Wow." First, good job scouting staff. We picked up on something, but two, to see a player grab that is really cool. And LT36 has been solid for them. And I, I, they're just a fun team to watch, right? They, they really mimic a lot of what the VGK does. They're fast on the breakout. They, they've got great in transition on the rush. Dylan Secure is another player that's been excellent for them. And Jack Dugan was up there in rookie scoring. So a lot of bright spots. And now you will see into next season more prospects filtering into that team.
1: And it is pretty cool to think in their inaugural season, getting to have the opportunity even to make a playoff run. They topped the division with a 25-13-1 mark to earn the number one seed in the division. I mean, first year out here in Henderson, giving it a go, and they make such a run. So it's been really, really fun. Like I said, they're playing at T-Mobile Arena. So you've got Thursday and Friday night hockey down on the strip. That's, I mean, who would have thought? In Vegas, that we would have all of these hockey options. So cool.
0: It's changed. It's changed for the better. Yep. It's not just the rang <laughs> or the thunder any longer, you know. And uh, the fan support all year was awesome. The moment they opened the, opened the gates for the Silver Knights games, it was the same way as, as the Golden Knights. Fans flocking in and everybody taking it in. Harold the town crier doing his thing, which if you're listening, you've probably <laughs> seen. If you haven't been in the Orleans. Harold the scene, a riot. He's, I'm telling you what, I've actually known Harold for a while. Really? I have. But uh, he, he's just, he's unique. He has those middle English sensibilities, and he had the read before last game. He read the names of the starting players in the locker room beforehand. I saw wow. that. Wow.
1: Electric. Yes. He's somebody that I would love to do just like a sit-down interview and like learn more about Harold because he I know has a very unique backstory. So yes, he does. But as on as the kids on Twitter say for the HSK, the tweeters. let's get back to the big sib mm-hmm. uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, like I said, critical game seven tomorrow. And it's been a tough go recently given all of the injuries at the Golden Knights. Have had to deal with Max Pacioretty has been a day to day game time decision for what feels like forever at this point. Pete DeBoer did give an update that he has been skating, but Tomasz Nosek, we haven't seen him since game two dealing with something also day to day game time decision. And then we get the news yesterday that Ryan Reeves was unavailable and Braden McNabb was placed on the COVID 19 protocol list. So veteran players that you don't have their presence at a time where you really need them
0: you need them and you have to rely on your depth and this is true for every team in the league and you you hope players can fill in step up do what's necessary uh it, but it does place a bit more stress on your top lines it places more stress especially at the center position on Chandler Stevenson and Will Carlson with you know not having Nosick as the third line centerman which is awesome that most Nosek bumped himself up this year. Think about that, mm-hmm. right? Like he, his play warranted going up to a third right line role. And to me, Tomasz Nosek is just it has been invaluable to this club. Would love to see him back in the lineup uh, for a whole host of reasons. Part of it is because I remember losing a championship playing against him when he was with the Grand <laughs> Rapids Griffins, and I thought he was their best player during that. And this season, you've seen him come into that with his own, his scoring, and everything. Um, But Max Pacioretty would make a huge difference for sure. You miss him on the power play, uh, even though there hasn't been many penalties called in this series at all. But just that magic chemistry between him and Stone. I have loved Alex Tuckup on the first line. I think that they've been a good combo, but I think it has been something that Minnesota's learned to play with as this series went along. You know, the first couple games, more opportunities with them as a line. And then you get the line matchups at home that Dean Everson's able to play who he wants against Stone and Chandler Stevenson and Tuck. And I think if you were able to insert Max Pacioretty, it's a new wrinkle and could potentially create a lot more space for the Golden Knights offensively.
1: He's a trigger man that you need in a time when you're struggling to find offense. You
0: need a sniper. You do. And Max is one of the best sh- shooting forwards in all of hockey. Uh, he's somebody that if the puck's on his stick, you know, that's, you know they're dangerous whether it's transition, whether it's power play, whatever it is, one of the best shooters in the league. You'd love to have him in the lineup if possible.
1: And one thing I don't really think was discussed a ton yesterday with the Braden McNabb situation being placed on the COVID-19 protocol list is the mental side of what that can do to affect a group when you don't really know what that means. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a no excuses team, but to learn that information about a teammate the day that you have to play an important game and thinking about the close contact situation, like, Oh, you know, like, what's the situation? Like, could I be next is a very real thing. Despite obviously in our NHL protocols, now knowing a number of players are vaccinated and reaching that threshold, there's still that fear, I think, because you, you can still be affected. And I, I don't really think that was talked about very much yesterday. And that when you talk about, a playoff series, it's not just the physical side that's important. There's a really big mental aspect as well, and it's not just, oh, how do we play in Game 7? Yeah, no,
0: I think you've clued in on something there that maybe we wouldn't think of, right? Like, obviously, with you being so close to the team this year, being in the bubble and being the only uh, reporter embedded within the entire National Hockey League, its you've seen a unique aspect to that, right? And and dealing with the players and, and knowing their mindset of it's real, right? Like, I mean, this thing's still floating around, you know, like, what if I get sick? What if I bring home to family? All these right. things. Like, how do I, and you think your contacts throughout the day, and it's just another, like, layer to your mental game that you don't want to think about, but it's there. And how know? many false positives
1: has this team oh. had to deal with, too? Like, that's a whole
0: other thing. Remember that? You know, the team had to fly, what was it, like, how many hours later or whatever? They had to change entire plans because we didn't know if we were even going to play a game because yeah. of nine false positives. That was
1: that was such <laughs> a crazy situation too because I can't actually give my perspective on right. that because I was among the people that's just waiting for the text message of hey like we're good to go dart to the plane. That you know, it's a it's a different Pin feeling and <laughs> I know that if I feel a certain way, I can only imagine what that must be for a team whose season ultimately is on the line in those situations. So just A little bit of food for thought, Mike.
0: Yep, yep. And it's, you know, this year, if anything, we've learned that it's just adaptability, Mm -hmm. overcome things. And I think the players have gotten to the point where you're almost just kind of slap happy with it. Like, what can happen next? You know, (laughs) okay, we're going to be delayed. Whatever, let's go. We're just ready for anything. So
1: for you, obviously, this team is dealing with a lot. I I know that every team has had their own different adversity and things that they've had to go through. But the Golden Knights, for me, have had... So many just obscure, random things happen to them. To win Game 7 tomorrow and to advance to the next round, keep their season alive, who needs to step up in your eyes?
0: I still think Shea Theodore. I thought he hasn't had the point production, and I think that it's not just him, right? We're not pointing out one person and saying that he's got to do it himself. I think it's really by committee that the defense has got to be more involved in the scoring. And it's a couple of different ways, right? It's not just making long passes and plays on the power play. It's being involved in the rush. It's so important to Pete DeBoer's system of having a second layer and a second wave when you're attacking in transition. And I think it really comes down to how the forwards handle passes from the defense in the neutral zone. At times, the team's gone a little bit too east-west. They've looked for something better. They haven't been able to get through. When the Golden Knights have been at their best against Minnesota in this series, it's been through chip plays. It's been through five-foot bumps of the puck to attack with speed. And that's when you can push Minnesota back. So I think, you know, you look at Shea Theodore, yes, he's got to make a good first pass, but he's also got to get towards the net. He's got to get his feet going in that direction. It's not just him. It's Alex Petrangelo as well. um, Players that you expect it from you know in the regular season the Golden Knights were top three in the league in defensive scoring right it mm-hmm. was a huge part of their game it's dried up in the playoffs so I think you're really looking towards the back end to start to bring it yeah you gotta have some fun
1: oddly enough now in the postseason Minnesota is actually the top team in the league in scoring by defenseman or points whatever that percentage stat is Um, we got to take a quick break but when we come back we'll hear from the head coach Pete DeBoer earlier today we'll also take some of your questions using that hashtag nighttime at noon a lot of them have to do with goalies Mike Mm. which I know excites Mm. you stay with us on nighttime at noon
0: we're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights Fox Sports Las Vegas
1: For exclusive Vegas Golden Knights gear, visit one of the Vegas Golden Knights' official Team Store locations, the Armory located at T-Mobile Arena, the Arsenal location right here where we're broadcasting from today at City National Arena or online at vegasteamstore.com today. That's where you get all your VGK swag. To wear To Game 7 tomorrow at T-Mobile Arena between the Vegas Golden Knights and Minnesota Wild. The Golden Knights, unfortunately, held off the board 3-0 3 nothing in game six. And Pete DeBoer spoke to media earlier today on the offensive talent of this team and what needs to open up.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, sure, sure, we want to uh, score, but the, the other team has a say in that. And, you know, Minnesota is one of the best defensive teams in the league. So, you know, it's it, it's not that we're not opening it up, but you, you've got to play smart enough that, uh, you're creating offense without, uh, being reckless. And, you know, I think we've walked that line pretty well all year. Um, but you know, the, these games are tight, they, you know, the, the other team has a say in, in how you're going to play, you're, you're not going to walk in and dictate for 60 minutes, how the game's going to go. It's just not, not reality. And it's not playoff hockey teams are too close, too good. The margins error are too small.
1: Stormy Antonio and Mike McKenna with you here on Nighttime at Noon. That was Golden Knights head coach Pete DeBoer. Mike, what did you think about what Pete had to say?
0: Oh, well, The key part there is be, trade scoring without being reckless. You can't turn the puck over. You can't give it away. But in that same breath, you want to play as free as possible. And you can't be afraid to make a mistake. And I think that for the Golden Knights, a lot of that just means keeping the puck on your stick and driving towards the net. You know, there's ways to create space on the ice, and if you do it early in a game, if you get somebody to go hard like Alex Tuck did early in the second period, that's when you start to push teams back. But you don't want to take away the offensive creativity. I, I really think that this is one of those scenarios. Like if you've ever been in life where you're going to make a big purchase and you get cold feet and you do everything you possibly can think of to not buy it, and at the end you just go, ah, I want it, I'm buying it. Okay, I mean that's kind of like the offensive mindset here. It's game seven, you have nothing to lose. Right, so you don't want to stifle yourself. You've got to let yourself have the freedom and the fun factor of playing hockey. You know, like you dig deep on those things on the pond as a kid in the street with your friends. Like, you think of those moments in life where you've had so much fun, not on the big stage. Bring it to the big stage. Enjoy it. Like, that will carry teams. A smile on somebody's face. Look to your goalie. Look at the smile yeah. on Mark Andre's face. Face. There's a heartbeat of the team right there.
1: I think the fun factor, particularly for the Golden Knights, like is undervalued a little bit from the outside because we see in certain games when there's a looseness and there's a freedom to the way that they play.
0: Mark Stone scores a shorthanded goal, loses his (laughs) mind with the the happy hands or the, I don't know what to do with my hands, celebrate, whatever you want to call it. And they pan to the bench and Riley Smith is giggling. (laughs) I mean giggling. And it's almost like the camera guy went, no, we can't keep him on. He's having too much fun. This is hockey. And it goes away. That's exactly what you're talking about, Stormy. And you get to see it being around the players all the time, that there is that looseness that maybe doesn't show up all the time, but it's a huge factor in the Golden Knights' persona and their identity.
1: It definitely is. And uh, what was your – for that caption contest, uh, you, I'm sure you saw Spittin' Chicklets put that gif or, like, that still shot out of Mark Stone. What was your caption for I it? I think it
0: was Jazz Hands was my Jazz thing, Hands? But, I, I, but that's
1: Marty. That's Marty. Yeah, Marty's. you're right,
0: because it, it was more of a, like – I, I, it was just a, a vibration. It was, it was a vibe, you know. Like it was. I it ended was up going with
1: with the um, Ah, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> but I was also debating the <laughs> Ma, the Meatloaf. So I was between those Never know what she's doing back there. (laughs) Never know what she's doing back there. Uh, Since we're so serious, um, time to take a couple of quick questions. Thank you so much for submitting a few on Twitter, using that hashtag nighttime at noon. The first one here is actually a little bit more serious. From Marsh Monroe, will Marc-Andre Fleury be in goal on Friday?
0: I'd be shocked if he wasn't. I mean, and I think I just kind of alluded to why at this point. I mean – The games have been every other day. There's not a fatigue factor. He hasn't faced an exorbitant amount of shots or had particularly difficult games, no long overtime games. He's fine from that perspective, and you draw on what he's done in his career. I I think that that's of critical importance for the team, and again, I think it's just that intangible that he brings. Right? He's inspiring to play in front of, and they know what he can do in big situations. It's been his ball to carry so far. I think it'd be different if there were back-to-backs. Maybe you'd look towards something different but you get to game seven and you got to ride that dream pony that you've been on the whole time I think. So I'll
1: present you with an interesting question that I saw on Twitter but not using the hashtag nighttime at noon so I can't give you credit. Um, no, just <laughs> kidding. I don't remember who said it earlier but do you think that if the Golden Knights do advance they use let's say they use Flurry mm-hmm. tomorrow if they do advance in game one do you try Leonard?
0: I don't know about if you look particularly Two game one, I mean, we got to find out timing, scheduling, and those types of things. I still absolutely believe that if the Golden Knights are to make it to the Stanley Cup final, they're going to use both goaltenders. I truly believe that. And, and Pete and said I, that. I do, and I think it's a strength. I think, And I think the way Robin Leonard responded coming off of his concussion, the way he played right after that, gives all kinds of confidence that no matter what the time off is, he can come in and perform. And again, if there's back-to-backs, if Marc-Andre – is the guy and he's played a ton of hockey and he needs a night off, you've got a guy who can play and can carry the mail if you need Mm -hmm. to. So I can see that playing out. Uh, I think it just depends on scheduling more than anything.
1: Unfortunately, we are running out of time, so we can only answer one more question. Um, What is your Game 7 playlist? Shilla Kittlinger sent that one in on Twitter.
0: Oh, man. You know, I'm not a big playlist guy. more of an album guy. And I remember late in my career last year, I would always. There's a band called Mastodon that I love. And I would always listen to a song called Show Yourself by them. And it was off the album. Oh, boy. What album did that come off of?
1: <laughs> See, this is. It's okay if you don't know the exact album. I do not know the name of the album of the yeah.
0: picture I'm picking, and song I'm picking. Yep. The album Emperor of Sand. And that was always on my playlist. And it just, for whatever reason, that song kind of got me going. And. That's my thing, I guess, right now, is what it would be. I have to draw back to what it would be while I was playing. I like
1: that. I like it a lot. I'm going to have to Google it after this. Um, Something that we've been talking about in um, our little bubble team has been how Alec Martinez is called Warrior, Mm -hmm. and we wanted to have a theme song for that. And so that's kind of my hype-up one is Kesha's warrior and there's a line about it, it. there's Give a line it. in Come it on. that says Let's misfits and then the 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 like chorus is warrior nice. <laughs> nice that's it nobody wants any of that so I'm we will leave you with a reminder to make sure you tune in here to listen to the radio broadcast of Dan Duva and Gary Lawless for game seven tomorrow or on the final television broadcast from us on AT&T Sportsnet Darren Millard Mike McKenna Shane Knighty and Dave Gosher. Um, and we're the lawman. Yeah, we're going to miss there you. <laughs> but thanks so much for listening to this edition of Nighttime at Noon. For Mike McKenna, I'm Stormy Tony Game 7 on the way. Golden Knights and Wild tomorrow.